Well, hello. Welcome back to Between the Lines, the podcast. I'm Jay Lind, and I'll be your host. This is episode three of the podcast, and I have to say, I've been overwhelmed and flattered by all the positive response and feedback I've been receiving. And the BTL audience is continuing to grow. We now have listeners in five different countries. So Between the Lines, the podcast has officially gone international. Turns out, people other than my mom are listening. A special shout out to Tiffany, Craig, and Leah, three old friends of mine, who all reached out this week to let me know they've been listening, enjoying, and now following the podcast. If anyone else out there has learned something, or at least been mildly entertained by what they've heard in the podcast, please remember to rate, review, and follow Between the Lines on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to help support my mission to spread kindness and encourage empathy in this particular way, please click on the support the podcast link at the end of the episode notes. But more importantly, thank all of you for listening. Today, I will be interviewing Henry, someone else whose story I featured in a chapter of my book, Between the Lines, a memoir about addiction, empathy, and evolution. But before I get to that, This is the good news. So I have two good news stories for you today. The first one comes from our kind and gentle neighbors to the north. The Canadian government announced a $3.5 million project to help improve access to abortion services in Canada. This came uh, maybe a week or two after um, the Minister of Families, Children, and Social Development, Karina Gould, said that Americans will be able to come to Canada to obtain abortions if the Supreme Court does indeed overturn Roe v. Wade. So I guess that's kind of a textbook good news, bad news situation. The other good news item I have for you comes from Texas, which makes two weeks in a row where good news is coming from Texas. Who knew? Well, the people of Austin, Texas, like to keep it weird, uh, they voted to approve Prop A, which will ban no-knock warrants in Austin. The police will now have to announce their presence, then wait at least 15 seconds before entering a building to execute a warrant. 85% of voters uh, voted to approve Prop A in Austin. I'd say that's good news for the people of Austin, Texas. So that wraps up our good news for today. Time to get to the big interview you've all been waiting for. So, let me take a second to introduce you guys to my guest today. Henry was a student in one of my American literature classes seven or eight years ago. And much like everyone else in Henry's orbit, I took an almost immediate liking to him. He was funny, thoughtful, and kind as a 16-year-old kid, but he was also quiet and introverted, and he often seemed kind of sad and disinterested, at least in school. Uh, Maybe it was just my class, I'm not sure. We, we had a pretty good connection by the end of the year, 
in part because he was willing to share with me some of what was making him sad and distracted in class. His older brother and his idol, Jake, was a drug addict. And that was having a real impact on Henry and his family. Well, a few years later, I got to meet his brother, Jake, in person. He was in one of my groups during my uh, second run through an intensive outpatient rehab uh, thing in Chicago. And I got to spend a few hours a day with him, four days a week, for about six weeks. And I got to know him pretty well. He was uh, loved and respected by, by all of us in the group. And I'll say this, uh, which, which is hard for me because I always try to get the counselors to love me. He was especially loved by the, by the counselors uh, it, that we were working with at the time. So he was my main competition for the love of the people who were trying to help us. And by the time that the two of us had successfully completed our, our treatment and uh, walked out of rehab then, I was like really, really hopeful for Jake. And he, he seemed healthy and definitely serious about his recovery, but it's not that easy. Uh, it's not that simple. And sadly, it, that didn't last. And so I think it was about a year later that, uh, you know, right before he turned 20, Jake OD'd and, uh, and, and died in, in his house. Um, I was devastated, sad when, when, I, when I heard about his death, in part because Jake deserved to live a long and, ha and happy and healthy life. Um, and he had so much potential, but also because I knew how hard it would be for my old student, Henry, to deal with the loss of his big brother. And although there's no doubt it's been difficult for Henry, uh, he hasn't let the weight of his grief get him too far off the track. And it seems to me he's living his best life. So uh, before we get started, one little tidbit about Henry that you might want to know is that he was once one of the top young scooter riders in the country. Tricksters? Riders? I don't know. In fact, don't, don't laugh, buddy. In fact, he was once a sponsored professional scooter, scooterer, scooterist, I'm not sure. Sadly, an injury put an end to that career, but he took it in stride and is still doing great things. So without further ado, I introduce you to Henry. Welcome to the cod, pod, the podcast, the podcast, buddy. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. How you feeling today? I'm good. Thank you so much much for having me in. I appreciate you. Thanks, man. I'm doing pretty good. Good. It sounds like you're doing good. You look good. Unfortunately, the audience can't see uh, either of us, but if they could see you, they would see a, an enormous amount of hair. <laughs> yeah, it's really growing out. <laughs> nice. Uh, so we met for coffee uh, back in Oak Park a few years ago. So I could tell you about what I was doing with the book and talk to you about writing uh, a chapter about you and your brother. Um, and, and then I talked to your mom about it too. And I want to make sure everyone was on board and I wanted to talk to you more about your relationship with your brother. And both of you guys were really great and supportive about it. But now it's a book you can hold in your hands and read the chapter. And, uh, once you have it there, now that you've read it and, uh, and you know seen it and held it in your hands uh what do you think how did it feel when you read it i was grateful to be included in it honestly it i don't know it's i think it, in many ways all the stories are super helpful for anyone like you can take it with a grain of salt for your own situations and it's pretty amazing honestly 
Good. Did you feel like it was a, you know, I, I remember thinking, you know, after talking to you, you know, I, I, I knew your brother for, you know, a really short time you know, in, in the, in the grand scheme of things. And I remember thinking, yeah, this is the, uh, I, I want to get it right. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to misrepresent this or, or anything. And especially cause I know you, you know, and, and, and talking to your mom and everything that, I want to make sure I got it right. Did it feel like, like I got it right? Like that, you know, that I represented you guys in, in the right way. It did. Absolutely. It felt, it felt right. You know, like there's, I mean, I have my own like views of like my brother because he's my hero. I looked up to him, but he was the coolest. I, and honestly, there's nothing, nothing that I would have really changed. You know, there's like details here and there, but like, just, that's just the sh- crappy stuff that I remember, you know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, uh, but I think you did an amazing job representing like us as a whole. That's great. And it meant a lot. It really meant a lot to me when I, when I first talked to you about it, or when I first, when I remember when I sent you the, an early draft and you're like, Oh, I, I you know, I, I can't stop reading it. You made my day. And like, it's a sad story. And you know, and you're like, you made my day and you're like, put our names, put our real names. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll keep your names out of it. But the fact that you were like, this is a story that, you know, you, you, you felt like you wanted people to hear and understand, uh, that meant a lot to me because that's what my, you know, my goal was, was from, from the beginning, you know? Um, so it's been, uh, it's been a while, uh, you know, since, since you were in, <laughs> in my class, uh, back then, but this is your chance real quick, uh, for for uh, for you to tell everybody, uh, you know, prove prove me wrong from the introduction. There, like, do you remember anything that I taught you? I do, and honestly, <laughs> I, I, I like I can honestly say, and I'm not just lying, uh, but you you made the biggest impacts throughout my whole high school. I mean, I really couldn't care, I couldn't care less like about all of high school. I mean, I was pretty checked out. You were like the only teacher who actually connected with me and kind of, you know, gave me more, like, gave me the time of day, like, I don't know. I, I, I felt really welcome. I felt like I actually wanted to get into what we were learning. I wanted to actually, I don't know. Hey, I'm going to stop you because it's making me uncomfortable because you're being so nice. Because uh, <laughs> I was just trying to make a joke. But I, on the other hand, I, I really appreciate that. Um, it's all honest, I swear. I, I mean... You'll get the the Venmo. You got Venmo, right? I'll get you get the payment. Oh yeah, later, later for that. Uh, but now I think you understand, and especially once I you know got to meet your brother, that part of that connection was because I was struggling with addiction when I was talking to you. You right. know, and your brother was, and some of what we were talking to was that, and I knew that you were like you know on the fence. You're like in a, you were borderline having a, having a rough time in life. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, the, the kind of student that, that, um, I often reached out to is like someone I can relate to in that way. And part of me always wanted to like grab a kid like you or like some other students I had and be like, Hey, I get it. I can't really tell you the whole story, uh, but I get it. And the great thing, you know, when I met your brother, I was like, Oh, now I can tell him, (laughs) now I can tell him how I get it. And, and, uh, anyway, that makes me feel great. Uh. Henry, it's hard for me not to say your real name. I'm going to keep saying Henry. I'm doing a good job so far. Uh, so, so thank you for saying that. Um, of course. So I want to I want to get into uh, before we talk a little bit more uh, uh, about your brother and what that was like. I want to uh, I want to talk about like you know 
because I don't know, I haven't talked to you in, in a few years, occasional texts here and there, but um, what have you been up to since since you graduated from from, uh, from high school? What have you been doing? Since graduating from high school, um, the last three years I've been living out in around Aspen Snowmass in Colorado in the mountains. Um, I've been working like the ski companies. I've been doing the trail, uh, trail crews, like park crew, all that stuff. Um, just maintaining the ski mountain and stuff. It's been a good job. Um, I recently moved, moved on from that. Um, and I'm working at a, a Chevy dealership right now as the lot manager. So that's a big upgrade. Nice. It's a pay upgrade, I'm guessing. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not walking up uh, double black diamond mountains every day to start my day with saw. <laughs> so that is nice. Um, but does that give, I've been loving it out here. Does it give you a, you don't get a lift pass with that working at the dealership though. I do not. Unfortunately, yes. that was the big plus. <laughs> yeah, right. And out there that costs a, a fortune. Oh yeah. I'm guessing, you know, somebody who's going to help you get out there though. Yeah. Hopefully I, I made some good contacts with the, the, my bad. The nice. ski patrollers, everyone who works there and everything. Nice. I had some friends um, right after uh, right after college who went out to Breckenridge and lived in a house, like all these guys together, working in the mountains. You know, some guys doing what you're doing, like, you know, taking care of the mountains. Some guys teaching ski school to little kids and, you know, some guy working in the restaurant. Anyway, I went to visit him once and uh, it was a total mess in there. So are you living like with like 40 guys eating cereal and ramen? Uh, is that what it's like? So or? I've upgraded recently. <laughs> uh, so the last year I've been living with my good buddies who I like make music with and stuff. And we do a bunch of DJing stuff. Uh, but uh, it's just been me and the three people living in this uh, three bedroom apartment. It's definitely a step up from like the dorm style living. How yeah. I started here. Nice. So that sounds like you're you're uh, you're you're moving up in the world out there. There's a lot of people out there who just come, you know, for a year or two, right? So now you're in the three year mark. Uh, exactly. You're like an old timer now, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it used, it's kind of a weird turnover. Like people will either come here for like a season or a half and be gone forever, or they're kind of stuck here. Nice. Um, so I know this, uh, and and this is in the book too that. Uh, you know, you were in a class uh, that I was teaching where I felt like you probably belonged in another class if everything was all, everything, uh, you know, was on the up and up, everything was working great in your life. You probably should have been in a different level of, of my American Lake classes. Um, but, you know, you know and, and, and as you said, you, you know, weren't all that engaged in, in, in what you were doing in high school, but you made it through in a really good high school and you graduated and you're doing well. Uh, but you're like one of the few people from that place where you grew up and where I grew up who didn't just go to college, right? You took a, like a non-traditional route. Um, and now that you've, you know, you got a few years under your belt doing that, how do you feel about it? You feel like you, you, you know, you feel good about that decision? Are you thinking like maybe one day you're going to go to college or you feel like this is your, you know, you're going to look for, you know, uh, you know, from, from where you are now and find a job and a, and a passion or, or, or tell me about that. Yeah. So honestly, uh, lately I've been feeling more and more confident with my decision in not going to college. Um, because I mean, at first, like the ski company job kind of felt more like, I mean, it wasn't summer camp, you know, but like, it's like you work here, go back to these, these living situations and 
put your money, your paycheck right back in the rent and right. constant. But I don't know. After getting this recent like manager position over at Chevy, um, I I don't know. I've been feeling like I can actually like make a career without having a full like college degree. Because the the thing is, I don't know. I I picture I'm I'm an artist deep down. Like I I want to just glass blow. I can't picture myself sitting in an office all day. Um, so I. I think yeah, the answer is yes that I'm thinking about going back to school, but it'll be for something like welding or something in the trades where I can just make make good money and then have my hobbies where I'm glass blowing and doing what makes me happy. Well, that's perfect. That like when I wrote that question down, uh, I was like, ah, oh, this is how I want him to answer it in my head, and you answered it exactly how I hoped you would answer. Like <laughs> this, that's the answer I wanted to hear. Which is you're happy with your decision, and you're like, but you know, it's it's tricky. Um, uh, here's what I'll tell you as a, as an old man. Uh, right now, you know, you graduated with a uh, with a you know whatever thousands of uh, other people uh, back you know in high school, and uh, right now they all went to college, and you are one hundred thousand dollars richer than they are. Because because you didn't go to college and they all owe a bunch of money. So that's a good start. And also, I know that you're an artist and uh, almost nobody makes a living as an artist. Um, right. And it sounds like you have like a, a realistic understanding of that, that you, you got to make money, whether it's a, a, a car dealership or, or welding or do something like that, but that you still want to pursue your, your art and your passion, which I think is, is, is pretty awesome. Right. I, I agree. You know, I know it's a, a life of hard work with not having a degree. I can't really jump into like a cush job. Um, but I know it's hard with people who are going to college now. Also, jobs aren't guaranteed. But I know like I need my hobbies and my hobbies are expensive as hell. So, yeah, um, I know they make me happy. So I'm happy to grind and work hard so I can have my free time to do my art. That's Go awesome, music man. festivals, all that good stuff, you know. That's great. So I also have a, a, a cousin who did, uh, who was glass blowing for a while, and so that's my only experience knowing about that. But I'll tell you this: he was just making a lot of bongs. Is that what's going on with you? Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> a lot, a lot of bongs. Um, I'm kind of moving, like also a ton of like pendants and necklaces. To nice. Keep, like uh, to keep the ladies happy. That's stuff. right. Um, but I'm moving on to like more cups and, um, I recently got studio space here, uh, nearby and this guy's got an amazing glass blowing studio in his garage. Um, and I just started doing this stuff called faceting. So it's pretty much all the angles and edges that you see on like a, like a fully worked diamond or, right. you know, like I've been doing a lot of that, like cold working stuff and giving it to him for like his cups and stuff. And we've been collaborating and making like $300 cups, which are, which make it feels good. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, I, I'm joking about the bonk, but part of what my cousin taught me was that that's just a, that's a huge money part of it. It's like, they, they, I was going to say, that's the money maker out of all of it. Right? Not everyone's like, going to drop 300 bucks on a super pretty cup, but you know, but, there's all the, <laughs> Snoop like, Dogg oh. will buy a bong for a thousand bucks. No problem. Exactly. Uh, all right, man. Oh, God, this is making this makes me so happy to hear hear you talk about that. Um, so, 
after all that happy stuff. Let's just, let's bring it down a notch. I'm going to talk about your brother a little bit. Um, so before, like we talk about, I guess what it was like, you know, just just tell tell my my listeners and anyone who's listening a, a little bit uh, about uh, Jake. Let me remind you, his name is Jake. Uh, uh, tell tell us about him. Like, what was he like? Um, to me, like Jake was the coolest dude. He was, he just seemed so like I don't know. It seemed like he wasn't trying at all, but mm. at the same time, he was the coolest guy I've ever met in my life. He always had my back. He never like gave me a problem when I was hanging around him and his friends growing up. Like him and I were essentially best friends, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of successful, always hanging out, and even until late late life. Um, but yeah, I just he was a super kind feeling person. So yeah, I don't know. That's, that's I mean, I appreciate what you're saying. That's uh. I love how you what you said that uh, you know he was like the, the coolest guy without trying because that's I, I wish I thought of that when I was introducing you to talk about him that that's exactly what it was like it, you know all, the rest of us were always trying to be cool he he was just like the nicest coolest guy and you could tell he was just being himself I appreciate that for real yeah um, so now the the harder part you know growing up I know that. Uh, the last few years, especially, were, were hard for you. Um, and when I when I was when I was teaching you, it was a little bit earlier on in his addiction. But what was it like watching him? You know, your 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 best friend, your your idol, your buddy, yeah. your brother, struggling with with the addiction like that. Uh, it it was pretty horrible, honestly. I mean, him and I shared a room for a long time, so I don't know. I was always. I don't know. I was always checking on him, making sure he was like as horrible as it is, just seeing if he's breathing. He, I don't know. Like I saw a lot of horrible stuff sharing a room with him. And I mean, I always just wanted to have his back. I was kind of finding the happy medium between like, do I like rat him out and make sure he's okay with my mom? Was like, don't, I don't want to get him in trouble. I don't want him to leave to go to rehab for another two years. Mm-hmm. I barely see him. It was, it was a lot of like mental juggling for me. I was like, it was hard to find my place, like with him as my best friend. Like, like how much do I like join in and do what he's doing, and how much do I like push him away from doing? I don't know. It was, it was all really confusing because, I don't know. Yeah, and you're young too. You know, right? you're looking back now, thinking about it as an older guy. Uh, but back then, you're you know, 15, 16, 17 years old. Uh, and this is your your idol and your and your and your best friend. And like you said, the first thing you said was, "I was struggling with like, do I need to like rat him out?" And if you do, there's some consequences. One, he could, you know, he's not happy. Your your best friend thinks you're a dick. And two, uh, he might go away again. <laughs> for, for, exactly. Right, and you don't want that either. Um, and 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 the truth is about about dealing with with addicts and alcoholics that. Um, neither of those decisions are, are better or worse and what you did or how you did it isn't better or worse. Um, I think, you know, you probably know some of that now, um, but right. it's terrible. It's especially hard when I think about someone, a young person having to deal with that, you know, like I made my mom and my wife and, uh, my brother and sister and my friends deal with it. They were adults. Uh, you were, you know, you were young. And and your and your brother was young, and that's and that and that's really hard. 
but it sounds like you got a really great um, perspective on it now. Um, Absolutely. It's so, taken a lot of time. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, still a lot of stuff that I like, I'm like, was that decision the wrong decision, blah, blah, blah. But over time I've, I've come to terms and I, I know I did the best I could and I'm doing the best I can currently. So, I mean, that's all that, all that matters. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how to put that into good words. No, you did. You just did put it in good words, man. Uh, you did the best you could at the time and you did the best you can now. Uh, and it doesn't mean that it's, it's, it's all easy and everything's, you know, cake now, but, uh, I mean, that's like, it's, it takes some people years to get to that point where you are. So, so I really appreciate hearing that from you. Um, so part of that is like, you know, in some of this is another issue that, uh, I try to talk about in my book is dealing with grief, you know? So, so a lot of my issues and problems like spiraled out of control when my dad died, uh, you know, you, you and my dad was my hero in, in a lot of ways that that uh, your brother was yours. So when he died and and things were, re I know that it hasn't. You haven't always had the same perspective that you have now. When it was hard between you know then and now, how have you dealt with that grief? You know what's worked, what's been helpful for you, and what's been uh, you know not so helpful, or what didn't work. I mean. Uh... For the longest time, I was kind of just doing it on my own, figuring it out myself. And I ended up just beating the crap out of myself over a lot of stuff. Like, and until like I went to like, I went to a rehab, well, not a rehab, like an outpatient for like grief. Um, mm -hmm. And honestly, that was like the biggest kicker. Like talking to it out loud with somebody else makes all the difference in the world. You can hear how like diluted your idea of what happened is like once you have someone else listening you know like you hear it out loud and you say you're like oh that's stupid that's not true um i'm just making myself feel that way and also i guess another reason why like that was is um as a teenager like all, like nothing against my friends they all tried their best but like teenagers suck <laughs> at like consoling you at talking about something horrible like yes i bring up the fact that my brother had died and like everyone's eyes would go to the floor or they would like look the other way and be uncomfortable as hell. And I'm like, well, this makes me feel worse. So, I mean, deep down the, the therapy helped the most, like yeah. the, it just takes hearing it and having someone else talk to you who has a non-biased opinion, you know? Absolutely. And in the professional, you know, I, I, exactly. I like how you said, like, you know, it's not your, it's not your friend's fault. They're not prepared to, to handle it either. They're not, therapists they're teenagers mm -hmm. with their own shit at the same time uh and uh you know and you finally found uh, something that, that helped you out and that i mean it's clear that it, that it did uh so that that's awesome um so last one about last question about this like if you're if you had to give some advice to to Somebody who has a family member, a brother, a, a, a son, a, a, a husband, a, you know, whatever, who, who's struggling with addiction. And now that you have some perspective and, you know, you, you know maturity after the fact here um, and, and time to think about it and process it. What, what advice would you give to someone who's dealing with it, what you were dealing with back then? And they're dealing with it now. What would you tell them? Um, so... I guess what I would say is 
really just give yourself like as much as you love them give yourself some space space from the situation like you know you uh, i just coming out wrong um like i don't know just be very patient with everyone like it's it's so hard like i i it's I'm not coming I'm, I'm, no, hey listen it's not that's not coming out wrong the first thing you said which felt wrong was give them some space uh which in your, I, it felt like I to mean, me, give yourself some space. You yeah, know, like which felt to me like you're saying, uh, you know, you felt bad, like oh no, you know, get away from them. But the truth is, that's the first thing they tell you in every Al-Anon meeting and all those things is detach with love. Like you, if you get too, you know, entangled in it, you get as sick as they are. Exactly. But it's so yeah. hard to do. It's easier said than done, right? Absolutely, because like, yeah, you you love them and you just want what's best for them. But in reality, like, with giving space to yourself and them, you're less. I feel less likely to push them away, have them angry at you, and and it sounds silly, but like, less likely to have them like act out with yeah. like feeling overwhelmed by like, I don't know, I Jake, uh, like my brother, uh, I could tell like he always just felt so bad for disappointing us or making us feel bad. You know, I mean, you want them to feel loved without making them feel like, I don't know, everything's their fault because that's just going to make things worse. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right. I, I said you were going to cry. I almost cried right there. You're, <laughs> you're exactly right. You're exactly right. That's like, that's some genius stuff, man. Right, you're uh, gonna find the happy medium, and it's all easier said than done. But absolutely, shit. there's no, I mean, nobody has it easy. I mean, I mean, these. I, I used to think about like the the my counselors were telling me and or my mom or my loved ones like how to handle it, and I, and I think like you know what what if it was you you know to the counselor like they know all they know everything right and a lot of them are recovered addicts or or alcoholics or whatever, uh, and then all of a sudden their son is an actor alcoholic do you think it's gonna be a piece of cake no it, either even with the best information and the training and whatever and experience it still sucks it sucks uh right but, but there's a there's some key things there that are it's not your fault uh it's also not their fault uh and you 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 can't you didn't cause it and you can't control it and you can't cure it uh all you can do is just love that person and let them know uh and it sounds to me like that that's what you're saying Absolutely. All right. It's so, like, there's no right, there's no right way to do anything, but yeah, all you can do is try, but don't smother anyone in the process and give yourself time to figure things out. It's all confusing. Everyone's different, and uh, yep, you yeah. got that right. You got that right. All right. So here we go. We're gonna move to the last the last step of this uh, interview part of the of the podcast because uh, I feel like you just dropped like a lot of truth on all of us here. Um, <laughs> so. This is your chance to talk to my mom, who might be the only one listening, but maybe your mom will listen out of this one too. So to our two moms, this is a, you're an influencer today. So tell us something, give us, tell me a, a show or a movie or a book or an artist or something that, that we should be looking out for, something that, that you are thinking that we should look at. So um, I... Would you prefer like more like physical art or would you anything, like whatever the first thing that came well, to your head? First thing that comes to my head, something someone who's absolutely amazing um, is this guy, Buck Glass, B-U-C-K. Um, he's absolutely amazing. He makes full size like animal skeletons out of uh, out of glass. He does chandeliers. 
he's absolutely amazing and super impressive. But I think anyone should go check that out. <laughs> is that is Buck Glass? Buck, B-U-C-K. Okay, <laughs> Buck Glass. Hey, I, I guarantee you that no matter how many episodes of the podcast I end up doing and I ask that question, no one's gonna, no one else is gonna say Buck Glass. I don't think so. But <laughs> That's if, awesome. if you check it out, I'm, I'm sure, I think you'll be blown away. Oh, I will certainly uh, blown away. No, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I will certainly uh, be checking it out as soon as we're done with this. Um, all right, so we're, then we're, now we're going to move on to the last part, which is a uh, a quick little talk about gratitude. So uh, take a second to think about one thing you are grateful for. <laughs> All right, so now that I give you a little second to think about it, um, let's talk about some gratitude. Why don't you talk to me first about uh, something you're you're grateful for today, Hannah? So yeah, it, I feel like everyone probably has this one, but deep down, like I'm so grateful for the the amazing family I have and how supportive and close we all are. We were always super close, but I mean. After my brother's passing, we've all kind of just like, I don't know, held each other a little like closer and things seem like, I don't know, a short time together seems so much more special and like more important these days. Yeah, I hear you. And I, I mean, I, I'm always grateful for that too, because I'm lucky like you are with a good, strong family and, and it makes me remember also and realize that not everybody is as lucky as we are with, with their family, you know? Right. And that's why I'm so grateful for it. You know, it's, I know, yeah, not every family's like mine and I'm grateful to have such a good, like essentially a strong team behind my back, helping me out all the time and just there to talk to you. That's great. All right. So um, I, I'll light it up before we, before we finish off. But my, today I was thinking about uh, what I was grateful for and I thought of being grateful for, and this is good for you being in a, now that you're not in, in Chicago area anymore. I'm grateful for all four seasons. Uh, we had, we had, I think we've had all four seasons here uh, in the last week. And it was like 30, it was 90. Uh, today it's raining. I think it was like sleeting and hailing the other day. It was sunny. And I was out on a walk. I was like, God, this is so great. It makes you appreciate all of the, like living in the Midwest, like to appreciate having all of those seasons together. And sometimes, as they say here, uh, all, all in one week. And, I, you know, it's one of those things that I think I, I definitely wouldn't have noticed in the, in the you know, in active addiction. I don't, I, mean, I don't even think I knew what the weather was. Uh, now I find, uh, like my mom, who's like, you know, 79 years old, uh, I talk about the weather a lot because I, <laughs> because I appreciate it. Uh, so anyway, so it's time for uh, our quick uh, little thank yous and goodbyes. Uh, Perfect. First of all, I just want to uh, thank you, buddy, for, for being on the podcast and for giving all of us something to think about. Um, I definitely picked up a, a few valuable lessons from you and listening to your story and, and catching up with you uh, after a few years of not, you know, not talking to you too much. Uh, I've learned. Um, first of all, like, uh, I really think that I, I learned that it's like a, a hopeful situation, you know, like in that moment when I found out that your, that your brother passed, I thought, Oh man, this, this, this poor kid is already hurting. And now his worst nightmare came true and it's going to be the end. You're going to, you're going to go, you're going to suffer the same fate as your brother really is what I thought, to be honest. 
and uh, you didn't, and you're not going to, and, and because you got help, and because you're doing the things that you said, and because you have the strong team behind you, and all of those things make me make me really happy. So if you too, anyone out there listening, besides my mom and Henry's mom, uh, learned something or enjoyed what you what you heard, be sure to rate and review the the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you want to contact me, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Between the Lines Book and Jalen Forty, or you can email me Between the Lines Memoir at gmail.com. Um, lastly, if you'd like to make a uh, you know some kind of monthly contribution to uh, support what I'm doing here on the podcast, uh, you can click the link at the end of the episode notes uh, that says uh, support the podcast. But none of that matters too much to me. Uh, just spread the word. Tell a friend if you have one. If you have two friends, that would be really awesome. You're more popular than me. Uh, tell both of them. And most of all, thanks for listening today. Um, and uh, this has been a really great um, great moment for me, and, and I'm really happy. So uh, thank you again, and peace. I'm out of here. Thank you.